Hi, and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. I am the Sinsky Man, your host, and I am here with Kyle McGuire. Kyle, say hi. Hey, Sinsky. Chris Scroggins. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. And how are you, Jake? I'm great, man. Happy to be here. All right, that's who's going to be bringing you the Dynamo Faithful today. We're going to be talking about our riveting loss to Sporting Kansas City. We're going to talk some transfer news, some rival watch. You're going to bring up that crazy game, Charlotte versus L.A. And we're going to look at the uh, next match coming up, Vancouver Whitecaps. Let's jump into it. I want to start off with our review of that game against Sporting Kansas City. I was uh, completely disappointed. Really wish I was on the Dynamo's podcast for that one so I could have just tore into that starting lineup. Gotta say, with the midfield that we're starting, we're never going to win games. And Jake, I know that you've been defending it on Twitter, left and right, up and down. I need you to tell me how the heck any of that was a smart decision, please. All right, yeah. So first, you've got the question of who was available for selection. Right? It came out after the game that Coco Karski has been returning from a muscle injury. On top of that, Everyone but me thinks Quintero simply isn't fit to start a soccer game. So who's left? We we got rid of Joe Corona. Hello again, folks. Producer Ian here with another quick note. We recorded this episode before the Derek Jones trade to Charlotte FC became official. So please just keep that in mind. Thanks, and good luck to Derek Jones. The only other midfield options you have on this team are Derek Jones. Boom, great choice. And that's it. And you can say, I agree with you. I would love to see Derek Jones overtake Soren for that tough fighting eight. I'm not sure that that's in the cards. So I don't think we can fault Nagamura for starting the only healthy mid. Furthermore, when it comes to his tactics of, of being playing a bit negative on the road, I don't begrudge him that. Right? We were playing away to the team that scored the second most goals in the league last year. Yes, their starting striker is gone, but Johnny Russell, I'm afraid of that man. I'm afraid of that man as a soccer player, and I'm afraid of that man in a dark alley. I think his beard would simply <laughs> eat me. And so, again, I can't say I'm happy about the game, but it was it was a pragmatic road game. That's the only defense that we can have for that. I've heard that, but I I just I have to disagree with that. Everybody says you're going up against a good team, you want to play defensively, you're on the road, fight for the draw, maybe sneak in a goal and win. But we can't do that. Look at those players. Memo can't do that. Seren and Vera, yeah, they're going to clog up that midfield and they're going to make it really tough to move through. But if you can't move the ball forward and you're just taking punch after punch after punch after punch in the gut – Like we were doing, move the ball back. Oh, gosh, here they come again. We lost the ball up. Here they come again. Yeah, it was kind of a fluky goal, right? It was a fluky goal. But that's going to happen time and time and time again if we're never having the ball, if we're never moving the ball forward, if we're never trying to attack and we're giving them chance after chance. The ball's going to go in. Steve, I thought Clark was so good for so long in that game. I even tweeted in our soccer group text, man, he's a dream. But you got to wake up eventually and goals are going to go in. I cannot abide that starting lineup. You cannot tell me that Quintero is so bad that we're going we're gonna to pay him lots of money to come back to the team. Why would we do that? Why would we resign him if we don't think he can play even one half of soccer, that we think he can only play against 20 minutes against a tired opposing team? I don't believe that argument. I think something's up. 
I think maybe DQ has got off on the wrong foot with Nagamura. We saw that there was something going on between him and Tab last season, and I think that's happening again. What do you think, Jake? I mean, to your point about Quintero, I've seen everyone say he's too old, he he can't start, he's only fit to be a super sub, but I want to give you my wholehearted agreement here. That guy went 90 minutes, something like six times in a row at the end of last season. And we've heard from the mouth of Pat Onstad himself that Quintero has been working his tail off to get fit for this season. So I don't buy for one second that he shouldn't be starting. I think he needs to be in our starting lineup because he offers something that no one else on this team does, which is the ability to create with the ball at his feet, the ability to go at the defense, the ability to draw players to him and uh, dish it out to someone I don't know, maybe a, a record signing striker, Sebastian Ferreira. So yeah, I, I want to say I'm I'm 100%, 100% with. Him. Also, I'm going to say one more thing. We okay. saw last year that his men, his mentality doesn't really work as a super sub. And we can be frustrated with that if we want. We can say you should be able to play no matter what time of the game, but we saw his uh, influence on the game last year as a super sub versus as a starter. Something about being a starter clicks that guy's brain into the game, and that's where he needs to be, playing with fresh legs around him, scoring goals. Man, I agree with that 100%. If we go another game with six defenders on the field, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to go nuts. We have to do something. Play Vera. I'm great with that. Play Seren if you're afraid to play Jones in that position. I have no idea why Jones can't get minutes there, but it's not happening. Do you think that maybe the that Vera and Sarin took Nagamura's advice a little too seriously? Like maybe they're being over literal when he said, hey, make it hard for the ball to move through the middle. They're applying it to both directions. Like we don't want to move it through the middle either. <laughs> that's all right, coach. You got it. Like that's got to be it, right? Like that's the only thing that I can think of. Outside of Memo, that midfield was pretty atrocious. I mean, uh, I think outside of Memo, <laughs> outside of Memo, yeah, this is gonna uh, happen. This is gonna happen. I, I think he was the bright spot in the midfield until Karaskia came on. Uh, I honestly didn't think that Quintero had a great game. Uh, a guy like him with his experience and uh, the position that he holds like on our squad, he should have finished that chip. You know what I mean? Like that, that should have been in the net. That's what he's paid to do. You know, I loved watching him interact with Sebas when, when they were up there, like doing flick on to each other and try just trying stuff. That was really nice. I think he's got great chemistry with, with Ferreira. And that's why I want to see him start. I want to see him get a full 90 with that guy up top. I lost a lot of hope for this game. Uh, just watching the first half when um, the two like best line breaking passes came from Daniel Starris and Steve Clark. Like yeah. the fact that our keeper and our center backs were making more progressive passes than our, than our midfield or our wingers was just like, Oh man, I literally turned to my wife and I just asked her, why do I do this to myself? Like, why am I watching this? <laughs> I hear that. I think if we're going to pay DQ to be on this team, why aren't we playing him with our starting striker? Our record deal signing that we brought in to score goals, but we're not giving giving him any chance to get the ball because we don't have him on there. How long were they playing together in that second game? It can't have been more than five, ten minutes before mm-hmm. Sebus was subbed off. And I don't know why we sub off Sebus in that situation. In one of the Twitter spaces I was in, someone said it was to save face because nothing was going to happen there. I don't know, but... I just feel like those two guys are never going to get in the groove together if they're getting like, what is it, trash time minutes together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You've got to play them together. 
And that means Memo has to come off the field because Vera, he does his job very good. Sharon, <laughs> oh, he's, he's a safe option. But Memo is not. Look at where Memo's fouls came from. When he gets fouled, it's in our defensive half. When he fouls, it's in our defensive half. He, he can't get fouls up the pitch. And he fouls them when they're in dangerous situations. I don't know what Mir- what Memo does well at this point. I'm okay. just okay. Struggling. We're doing this. Yeah, it's we're time. doing this. Since he, it's Let's time. See it, then. We talked about this. Like I said in our very first episode, dude. I'm a Memo stan. I I I'm a big fan of this kid. He uh, well, he's not really even a kid anymore. He's kid? like what 26? 26. 27? I dude, I think that Memo is the perfect example of like a force multiplier. He can make a dangerous team that much more dangerous. So I, when I think about it, I think I go back to like the 2017, 2018 years when he first really broke into that first team. Uh, Wilmer, if if any of you guys remember, Wilmer started trying to play him as a winger, and and I think it's because Mimo has like he's in the center mid position but he's got a winger's instinct like he's like a central winger you know as stupid as that is his instinct is to make that re- like like that late run in the box to make that back post run and when he had his uh what was it eight goal season i want to say it was eight goals it was all those late runs into the box he's an attacking mid i don't think he's a playmaker but he's somebody that can just sweep in there like after your your first line of attack fails and mop up that mess and just put it in the back of the net. And we've seen him do it over and over and over and over again. And that's why I think if he's playing in the same midfield with with the Quintero, I think he starts scoring goals, especially if he's on the field and Pash Money is on the right, Fafa's on the left then he can really make the moves that he needs to make. He, he'll he make those runs that no one else on our squad is making. And yeah, as far as his fouls, like getting fouled and fouling on our half of the field, Sinski, how much have we had the ball on the other half of the field? Where else are those fouls going to happen? Isn't it his job to get the ball to the other side of the field? Ooh. Isn't he the midfielder carrying the ball into the other side of the field? There's There's at least five other guys that should be in that attack, man. They aren't driving it forward. I, I think the first person to move that ball forward should be Memo every time. Vera's going to get you the ball. He's going to move it probably to Memo. This is like in my head, perfect so, football. No, Vera, Vera's going to pass it back to Parker or Steris, and then they're going to have to lump it forward. Dude, I'm, Wait, about, I'm about to embarrass you. Vera has twice oh. the distance on progressive passes than Memo does this season. In total yardage, it's twice as much. Medium pass percentage, he's hit 35. Memo's hit 19. He's got an 87.5% completion. Memo, 86.4. So that's the same thing. Long passes, Vera's hit 16. Memo's hit 5. Vera has completed 94% of his long passes. Memo, 26%. One and four for Memo. He's not moving the ball. Double the progressive passing. Double the distance in progressive passing. Here's what Mimo does well. Cause I don't just want to, I don't just want to tear this guy down. Here's what he does well. He blocks balls and he intercepts passes every once in a blue moon. All right. That's what Mimo does well. It's not moving the ball forward. And we know that that's not what Vera's being asked to do. We know that's not what Seren's being asked to do. So one of those three guys has to go. And Vera's putting out twice as much production as Mimo. So Mimo's got a sub. And yeah. you know what? Let the homegrown kid sub. Let him come off the bench. And I think he I think he's what 
Quintero should be doing. Quintero should be giving us 60, 70 plus minutes or whatever his legs can allow. And then you bring in Memo versus the tired team. He's an attacker. He's physical. He wants to go for the ball. He's going to get in people's faces. He's going to press. Let that be Memo's job. But let Quintero create something for Sebis for 60 minutes. And let's be up 2-0 before we put on our fun sub instead of down 1-0. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not opposed to that by any means. But I'm all I'm trying to communicate and probably do, not doing a good job of it. Is, all I'm trying to say, Sinski, is that you like you didn't see the good years of memo. All you're seeing is him. What I think is played out of position. I don't think he should be that deep in the midfield. I think he should be up closer to that attacking line and, and making those late runs, the back post runs and the late runs. That's his bread and butter. That's what he's good at. And he's proved that he can put like eight in the net a season and when he is up there it's just more for the defense to worry about because he's good at it and i'm not i'm not disagreeing he's he's had a poor season because i think he's just played out of position jake you got something to chime in here well i just i heard a a rumor that uh kyle mcguire was in this pod and i was just curious if if he had an opinion on on this memo debate Man, I don't know. Kyle's about to bring in some really level-headed information, and it's going to take all the wind <laughs> out of my sails. <laughs> I believe in you. I'm right. I'm right here, boys, and and yeah, I'm here to steady the ship. <laughs> Sinski, I think I I'm no stats or data guy. Um, we'll leave that to our producer Ian. But I I think all of the data and the statistics that you just brought up, comparing Memo and Vera, really illustrates Scroggins' point very well that. Vera right now is being played as the guy that's going to make chances happen from deeper in the pitch. And Memo is not getting those those chances created because he's playing a bit further up. So we need a playmaker in there to unlock Memo. Yes. So what are you suggesting? Take out Saren? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. <laughs> what? <laughs> Always. <laughs> put him, Take put out him, Saren. Put him on the on the bus back to Houston from Sporting Kansas City and and <laughs> sub somebody on. Yes, so put Saren on the bench and, and put Quintero on the field from the get go and let Vera be the be the guy that sits in the pivot and then let those two other guys float around, make plays happen, unlock Sebas, get Fafa on the ball. Yeah, if you ask me to put Saren on the bench, one hundred percent every single time. <laughs> I think he, I don't think Memo and DQ is a good midfield combo. I do think that Coco and DQ is a great midfield combo, or maybe even okay. Coco and Memo. I could go that way too. Coco's vision and passing and ability to keep the whole field in his brain is second to none on this team. He's the guy that he is the guy that you want pushing the ball forward with the pad. Absolutely. And let's not get too crazy here. We know we just have to hold out till July, right? Yeah, If we can get Coco on the field, get over this injury, get Memo on the bench, coming in as a sub, or Saren, or Saren, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to hate too much. But if we can just get something going in the midfield, Sebis needs a reason to play. I mean, (laughs) how many times have we watched players just just quit? Look at at Yeruti last season. He went through such a drought, and it's got to be because of how embarrassing the service was to him last season but we're bringing in Herrera we might be bringing in a winger speaking of wingers why the heck isn't Pasher starting the guy does more in 10 minutes than Mile Butter does in 30 games you know yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that one Jake we've all seen your Twitter posts it's got to happen Pasher needs to yeah. play Nagamora listen to the listen to your fans 
listen to the podcast, the unofficial official podcast of the Houston Dynamo. Mm-hmm. That's not us. We're not that. Also, all that we're saying is give Pasha a chance. I, mm-hmm. I think the Beatles wrote a song about it. <laughs> I just need that to happen. I need just, I need Pasha to play. Our we'll friend Emmett that. brought up a good point that when Pasha was on the field, it was a very different game than when Corey Baird was on the field because Sporting KC was doing their best to defend at that point and not really too worried about a goal. I just feel like when I'm watching Pasher play, I feel like, hey, something cool might happen. When I'm watching Corey Baird play, that feeling is a lot more seldom, a lot less frequent. On Pasher coming into the field, the dude looked electric and put a shot on goal right away. He you know, attempted to take on opponents, which is lovely to see. And I think the big thing, Jake, I'm fully on board with you getting him on the field from the, you know, from kickoff, he needs time to get comfortable on the field. Yeah. He started trying to take players on immediately, which you like to see. But when you're coming on to a game that's, you know, 75 minutes in and you're trying to impact right away on the wing, like he needs time to get comfortable on the ball. And he needs to do that from the beginning of the game, linking up with Sebas, like he, he will absolutely create if he's given that time. I don't I don't understand. When we get to lineups, I think we'll all agree. He's making the lineup this next weekend. But if he doesn't, I will burn Utica to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So I'm not Naga out. I need to say that because Twitter is starting to blow up with Naga out. But I do wish that Naga would look at his tactics and say, okay, something's got to give. I'm going to trust my back line to be the defenders that they are. I'm going to take one of the extra defenders that I have in midfield off, and I'm going to put somebody in who's going to try to move the ball forward to our record-breaking signing, Sebis. I just yeah. I need him to do that. I'm not I'm not saying Naga out yet, though y'all know my feelings on that higher. But in Pat, we trust, and I'm going to hold to that. Let's go ahead and move on. There's a big winger talk, as everybody knows. Linez is right around the horizon. I think in his last game, big guy didn't even didn't even. Uh, I know he didn't start. Did he come off the bench? Boyd doesn't play at at uh, Batiste. He he doesn't sniff the field. So it seems pretty clear we need to bring him in, and we need to do it now because I need something electrifying to to spark my hopes again. Y'all know what I mean? Yes. Do y'all still think I know that's what you the, mean? Do y'all still think that's the big likelihood? You've got the uh, the play between. Dynamo Insider on Twitter, who claims to have sources in the Dynamo organization. And then you've got Tom Bogert, Tommy Scoops, who's one of the most trusted voices on Twitter about MLS transfers. You've got Tommy Scoops saying, no, it's not happening. Right? You've got Tommy Scoops saying, no, Diego Line is not going to happen. You've got Dynamo Insider, who, at least with me, has built up a pretty decent reputation. Being less cryptic than he normally is, he normally gives himself an out. Normally, he's like, yeah, Pat Onstad is in Spain to talk to Hector Herrera and other things, right? Giving himself that random out. Now he's like tweeting GIFs of of Diego Linus and being, you know, throwing a little bit of attitude towards the idea that it's not happening. So I'm at like 55%. There is some sort of movement towards getting Diego Linus. Truly, I think if we did a Dynamo faithful, most hated 11 players, both Hector Herrera and Diego Linus would make that. And I would <laughs> still love to see both of them on this team. They, I think Diego Linus comes into this team the, the problem we've had of not creating chances of, of having wingers that can't effectively dribble up players, give him two games and he's off. He's off to the races. We'll, we'll be getting chances on goal soon. 
obviously I'm not going to be opposed to bringing in another like high quality, like top level winger. That That's going to be fantastic. But really, honestly, uh, if if it came out that that we don't get Linez, uh, I would be OK. I, I would survive because I think we are in more dire need of a number 10 than we are anything else. Yeah, Linez, great. Bring him in. Like we need to raise the overall talent level for sure. But um, man, we we need a number ten way more than we need another winger. Is just my two cents. I hear that. I don't I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But well, no. You know what? If we're not going to play Darwin Quintero, then yeah, I do agree with that, Scroggins. Because if he's not going to play in the ten role, then we definitely need to fill that position. Someone who's going to be attacking in the midfield and helping push the ball. That's that's been my thing all season. So all all two games of the season. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Rival Watch. We've got Austin FC, who seems to be king of the West right now with 10 goals in two games. How reactionary are their fans being right now and calling themselves the football capital of Texas? Whatever. Honestly, Kyle, are you okay with Austin showing us how to play soccer this bad? Oh, yeah, no. I'm not okay with Austin (laughs) doing anything successfully. Um You know, I think during that game, somebody texted that Breck Shea was playing center back for Inter-Miami. So that tells you everything about how Austin is putting five goals away on them. I, I hate to see them succeeding. Um, I'm not overly concerned about their longevity as, as much as I'm concerned about our longevity. But <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, they have plus nine goal differential in two games. That's a very solid return. I can't see them keeping it up once they start facing some real stiff competition. So, you know, good for them, but enjoy it while you have it. And hopefully I'm not eating these words in four months. No, we're definitely (laughs) not. We're going to be the top team in Texas. I mean, trust me on that one. Trust me. Hector Herrera is going to make these guys look so foolish. All of Texas is going to be praising the Houston Dynamo on that signing. Trust me. Scroggins, how's FC Dallas been doing? Uh, straight trash, Sinski. Straight trash. That's what I like to hear. Uh, <laughs> they have the same record of, uh, as us, but they've scored one goal. What they've done that with us. <laughs> straight trash, Sinski. <laughs> straight trash. Uh, <laughs> no, like they. I feel like they have the same record as us. Yeah, but they they have scored a goal, but they they're managing to do this with the best academy in the country. What I think if I'm just being objective and honest is a more talented squad than what we have. That's that's FC Dallas. I mean, they they just underachieve. Their new coach comes from the, like the Burhalter school of coaching. So that is going to be fantastically great, I think for the national team because we seem to only want to play players on the national team from the Dallas Academy, which, okay, <laughs> mad respect, they're producing, whatever. But that also means that, you know, we're going to see Burhalter ball and FC Dallas, and that's easy to stop. Just put pressure on the six. That deep-lying playmaker can't ping passes to the wings like they want to. Bada-bing, bada-boom, you're done. Like, everybody knows how to figure this out. And so I, I think that's going to be their problem is, you know, they've got the Walmart brand uh, Burhalter ball going. That's and, um, I mean, come on, have you watched them play? <laughs> I did. No, watch I, I I never watch FC Dallas unless we're playing them. I, I believe you that it's the uh, it's the Walmart brand of Burhalter ball. That's just a really tough thing to beat. Yeah, that's. I almost feel bad for them. Almost. So at least at least there's hope because their record's the same as ours. Like you said, yeah, they scored a goal. Yeah, I don't think I think we've sniffed the crossbar once. Uh, so 
but we could catch them. I still, I'm not jumping off this train. We're going to be the better, the better of the three teams in Texas at the end of this season. And it's a long way to go. It's still early, guys. We have to have faith. Uh, something I thought was pretty incredible was that Charlotte FC game, uh, their their home opener, first game ever, 74,000, 75,000 almost fans, MLS record. Kyle, what do you think that does for the game of soccer, more specifically for MLS, the game of soccer here in the States? Yeah, I mean, you always you always have to celebrate growth in MLS, you know, seeing fans come out. It happened with Atlanta when they started selling out their, you know, stadium, seeing the Charlotte fans come out and support in, you know, record numbers is incredible. And we hope to see that continue um, in, you know, expansions that are happening in the MLS. We also hope that we see that kind of trickle down to, you know, every other club that's already been around for a little while and is hoping to pull fans back in, you know, unfortunately for us, we are, uh, We've been around for quite a while now and have stagnated for way too long. And so we've just we've lost that momentum and we got to get people back in the stadium to uh, liven things up. And we got to get Hector Herrera here to to get people back in the stadium. I'm hoping that we can get some of that energy that I watched the highlights from the Charlotte LA Galaxy game. And man, it was it was a fun game to watch. Charlotte, they did their best. Their keeper, man. Their keeper kept them alive in that game. That was a, a lovely finish from LA Galaxy. Like that was a that was top bins, man. And when you talk about atmosphere, the moment when the mic went out on the woman singing the national anthem and the entire stadium just picks it up, man, that was incredible. Could you imagine that at PNC Stadium, a full stadium that I think it's a beautiful stadium. I love watching games at that stadium. And I just think how incredible it would be to see it full. I know Jake doesn't care about full seats, but I think <laughs> it would be absolutely incredible to, for something like that to happen. And I don't know, does Charlotte FC keep up that kind of fan base with the performances they put out? Maybe not. It's going to trickle down. It's going to trickle down. They're gonna, those numbers are going to drop. If the Houston Dynamo can do something like Hector Herrera attacking, like trying to win games, and we can put fans in the seats. It's going to be so electric. This city is bleeding for good soccer. It wants it so badly. I just want that to happen for our team. On my Facebook timeline, uh, a video popped up from like, uh, it must have been 2013, 2014, uh, when my wife and I went to a Dynamo game and, and I was videoing the goal celebration. The stadium was packed and it was back when everybody could still throw streamers and stuff when mm-hmm. we scored. Y'all remember those days? So fun. Yeah. Man, I, it made my heart ache for what we yeah. see now. You know, I uh, loved watching opposing keepers kicking streamers out of their goal. Yes. You know, getting it wrapped around their feet, wrapped around the net. Those this man scroggins, you're taking me back right now. Yeah. My my heart is heavy with uh, with the longing for those days. Sad nostalgia. Sad nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I will say the resurgence of the supporter sections has been a lot of fun. I think the El Battalion, how they play all that music the whole time. I think that's pretty cool. The Surge, they go crazy at the games. They have fun watch parties. There's hope for growth, but you have to put product on the field, yeah. right? For Absolutely. For the city to show up. I'm out here in Huntsville, Texas. I'm considered within the area, according to ESPN+. And if you want me to drive an hour plus to get to that game, 
you've got to put players on the field that are really going to make me feel like I'm going to see some goals. I'm going to see some excitement that we're that there's a chance to win. I didn't feel that in either of the games that I watched. The one, the the home game, there were moments, there were moments and glimpses. But the game against Sporting KC, man, I was just sitting on my couch wondering, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Not scoring. <laughs> the well, answer was there anyway. the whole time. <laughs> oh Lord! All right, let's move forward and look at our next match: the Vancouver Whitecaps FC. We're playing them Saturday night, March twelfth. It's gonna be it's gonna be a beatdown uh, by us on the Whitecaps. You heard it here first. Although my score predictions have been terrible as of late, but I still think I still think Sebas wants to score. He wants to open up that score tally. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen versus the Whitecaps. Jake, you got a lineup prediction for me? Who do you think starts? Sure. Uh, at the back, I think it's it's simple. Uh, we have Clark. We have Lundy at left back. Things get a little bit more spicy at center back. Tim Parker is a given. I want to see Hadibi, but my gut is saying we're going to see Stares again because the defense has played well enough, and I don't think the coach is going to want to mess with the chemistry that's established. Right back is where things are going to get interesting. I I really think Zeka starts. I think that he is being fast-tracked to get on the field. I think having a right back that is capable capable with the ball at his feet is, is going to be key to Naga's game plan. I think the midfield, obviously, we're going to see Vera. He's going to play every game this year if he's healthy. Yeah. I think that we're going to see Coco start. I really am looking forward to Coco getting a start. Been nursing a muscle injury since preseason, but after the game, he said he was at 98 to 95%. And I'm going to be optimistic for the rest of this. I really, I say Coco, I say Coco next to Darwin Quintero in the midfield. Let's get after it. Let's try to win a gosh darn game. Let's put Pasher on the right wing, Sebas at striker, Fafa at left wing. And then let's win this game 3 nothing. Dude, I'm down. I'm so down. That would be great. Scrog, did you think anything different? I think Jake gave us the lineup that we're all hoping for, but I think the lineup that we're going to get is going to be a Control-C, Control-V of the last two games, if I'm just Oof. being honest. I um, agree. I, I just don't see a change being made, um, which, is, which is a real shame. Love to see at least Pasher get the start over Baird. But what I think it's going to be is the same thing as last game, same thing as RSL. What I hope it's going to be is what Jake said. I think Corey Baird must have the coach's ear. I don't know if it's amount that he cost the team to acquire him. I don't know what his pay scale looks like. Maybe that's got something to do with it. But it just seems like Naga wants him to play. And then well, I, I agree with you. I think the midfield is going to be exactly the same. Go ahead. Well, do you think that uh, maybe, I mean, this might just be like hopeful wishing on my part, but do you think that maybe they're playing Baird to keep him in the shop window that, so that maybe there's like a Matt Jordan disciple out there somewhere? <laughs> that that wants to like buy him for almost a million dollars worth of gam or whatever, and we can get Man. a national spot back. Wouldn't that be great? Like, if that's the plan, it is backfiring like crazy right now. <laughs> get yeah, him off the field quick. Proven so he that can people run might think, I don't know, we haven't seen enough. Maybe he's really great. Like, get him out. Let there be a mystery. <laughs> get him off the team. Oh gosh, Kyle, what do you think? percentage of Coco or Quintero starting this game is 60 and 12 Coco gets 60 60 he's getting in there Quintero 12 percent chance that he's making the starting lineup this is like the saddest 
podcast we've done so far. It really all... is. We're all just real depressed from the last two games. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen though. Here's the thing: we Pasher Pasher makes the starting lineup. If he doesn't, I I don't care what happens. We lose, <laughs> draw. I don't I don't care. Pasher makes the starting lineup. That's what's got me excited right now. Is Pasher getting in the starting lineup? Yes, Zeka too. I, I want to see that dude start. Since yeah, I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there anyway. Here's my lineup prediction. That's not going to happen. Thor gets yeah. a start at home. <laughs> he partners Sebas in the in the attack. I don't know who we drop for him. Maybe we play 12 players on the field, but <laughs> we try and sneak one past the ref. But I think Thor. I think Thor's getting on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Thor brings a lot of excitement when he's on the pitch. The guy's electric. Here's my here's my big thing. We're moving to score predictions, and you guys can laugh at me, but I think we win this one 2-0. Vancouver hasn't looked great, and you know what? We've got attackers who are going to be able to attack. If we remember the first home game, we were we had good possession. We just couldn't do anything with it, right? I think that's not the case this time. Fafa's got to score. Hopefully Sebis scores. I think it's really time for him to open up his scoring sheet. Start writing down, I scored against Vancouver Whitecaps today. And, <laughs> and put that in his diary. It's time. Right, he's got to score. We paid big money for him. He knows how to play soccer. I watch his highlight reel all the time, and I'm, I get super excited for it every time, and I'm just waiting for one of those goals to happen for us. He can score with his feet. He can score with his head. Shoot, I bet he could do like a little ball off the chest goes in the back of the net goal. I think this guy scores any which way, and if we're playing the way that Naga played in our home opener, it's going to happen. Let's just get Quintero on the field a little sooner or start Coco, and I think that guy takes six or seven shots. That doesn't count what Fafa's going to do, what Baird or Pasher's going to do, what Mimo might do when he comes up, because I really do. I think Mimo's going to be on the field at some point. Nothing against him. I think he should play. I just don't think he should start. Scroggins, is your score prediction better than mine? Ah, dude. If we get the lineup that we want, then I think we, we exercise some frustrations. I think two is the basement and uh, or the floor, and, and the ceiling could be up to four. Uh, that's what I okay. think if we get the lineup that we want. If we get the lineup that I think we'll have, which is the same one we've got in the last two games, then what we're going to get is actually a game of Pong, where it's just the two sides line up in their own halves and kick the ball at each other because nobody will want possession. That's what I think, dude. If if we have our best players on the field, so I'm talking a midfield of uh, Coco, Quintero, and Memo, dude, we're scoring at least two. Absolutely. All right, Kyle, what do you think? I'm gonna say three one. I was going two nil until you said two nil. Oh, we're go oh yeah, we're taking we're taking three points. Amen. Yeah, we're running riot. I mean, Vancouver shipped four goals away to Columbus in their first game. We have got Sebas has got to see that and know that this is the game where he comes alive. Yeah. Absolutely. Jake, what's your score prediction? Don't leave us hanging. I'm I'm, I'm gonna stick with three nothing us. Uh, as long as we get either Coco or Quintero in the midfield from the start, and if we get Pasher on the field, we're gonna run rough shot over him. We're gonna we're gonna go wild. We're gonna lay it all out. Sebus is gonna get two goals. Pasher gets the third. We are very hopeful for a podcast that just spent thirty five plus minutes talking about how <laughs> I'm not sure we can ever score goals. I like, I like our I like that the we put the faith in faithful boys. I'm gonna say that. Yes. Now here's here's why I think we can do it. They let in four versus Columbus. With a red they card. They got a red card. What's to say they don't get a red card against us? 
we're going to field 12 men. They're going to field nine. We're going to win three nothing. I think it's simple as that. <laughs> There's always hope in the MLS, guys. Always hope in the MLS. I think the the most outstanding thing about about uh, Vancouver is their home opener was was this last game against New York City. Granted, City is probably the best team in the league. Uh, what I, a tough I think, home opener, right? Uh, and I get it. Granted, like you're playing the best team in the league. They're the they're the champs, but they they seeded twenty nine percent. Like, or they they only had twenty nine percent possession. They seeded seventy one percent possession to New York City at home. They had you know, 270-ish passes to New York's 640 passes. They didn't see the ball at home at all. I gripe about uh, Nagamura's tactics and and kind of his, uh, what I think is more of a, a negative approach to football, but uh, I mean, understandably, he's trying to shore up the back. I don't think the defense was the problem last year, but whatever. You know, I get it. At least there's logic there, but but we're not we're not doing this at home. At least that just gives me a lot of hope that this is going to be a team that we can ping some past. They're going to let us have the ball. They're not going to push to attack. So let's just freaking go for broke. Put on Pash money. Put on Quintero. Uh, let's let's start uh, Coco if if he can go. Let's watch Memo put two past the keeper, making late runs into the box like he should. That's all I'm saying. But if we do get this same starting lineup. The same midfield that we've had, and this is the last I'm going to say on it. We're going to start calling this the midfield massacre of 2022. Okay, <laughs> that's what it's going to be. If we don't start playing the guys who we know should be playing, then we're just we're shooting ourselves in the foot. We're killing ourselves. Put on the guys who are going to move the ball forward and watch as we put it in the back of the net. We know the attack was the big problem last season. The defense, we let in a lot of fluky goals. But I'm telling you, Clark shores that up a lot. Parker and Steras have a great relationship. I think Parker and Hadibi have a great relationship. Let teenage get on that field. Where is our DP defender? Put him on the field. Now that we've gotten positive in this podcast, let's end on a more positive note. Who on the Dynamo squad do you think you could beat in a foot race? I know there's three guys on the squad that I could absolutely crush. Jake, <laughs> who do you think you could beat? Who, who, which Dynamo player do I think that I can beat in a foot race? You heard me. There is only one, and it has nothing to do with his athletic ability compared to mine. And it's Darwin Seren. And it's because I would be so afraid of that man that I would have a surge. I would have a Batman level <laughs> surge of adrenaline run through my. I would become superhuman, and I would flee for my life. And and I would be able to outrun anyone in that situation. If he's chasing me, I'll get away. <laughs> the one player I can beat. All right. You have no faith in yourself. Kyle, <laughs> who do you beat on this squad? Sinski, I got injured in the first 10 minutes of my Sunday League 30 over game this weekend. So I'm going to stretch your rules a little bit. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I can take down Pat Onstad in a foot race. <laughs> Scroggins, who could you defeat? Man, I have no idea. I I wrote down two names. Uh, they're Dynamo alum, Tomas Martinez and Kevin Garcia. I'm pretty sure I could beat them in foot race. Uh, but looking at the current squad, maybe I could take Michael Nelson, the backup keeper. The Katie kid? Yeah. I don't know anybody else. All right. You guys, you guys just don't believe in yourselves. Here are the three guys I know <laughs> that I would be able to outrun. I can't Number wait one, for this. According to the uh, Dynamo Twitterverse, Darwin Quintero can't run for 20 minutes against 
exhausted players. So I know I outrun him. Okay. <laughs> Sebis hasn't wait, had a chance wait. to run all season. So I know I'm beating him. <laughs> and then I've said so many things about Memo Rodriguez, so many disparaging things that I have to be able to outrun him. <laughs> because he's got a lot of reasons to chase me. All right. So there you have it. That's who we could beat in a foot race on the Dynamo squad. Apparently, I'm the only one who feels like an athlete today. I just want to thank you guys for coming out and listening to us. We're really grateful for you guys. We love y'all. I'm the Sinsky Man. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast. We are Chris Sinsky, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Berry, Kyle McGuire, and Emmett Runfield. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff and marketing and social media from Zach Fellow. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful.